convict us? Would you use your word to, to spark a fire in the hearts of your children here so that way they come away with a better understanding of who you are, wanting to worship you more deeply, seeing how much your son had to go through? Would you convict those that, that have been just playing games this past week with you? That, that they've been living immoral lives, yet, yet claiming the badge of, of Christian, a, a God-fearer, a, a child of yours, but yet they are totally and utterly far from you. Would you convict them of their sin this morning and show them how much love you have for them? Would you bring forth fruit So that when we are done this morning, we are obediently applying what we have heard and seen in your word. I pray this in your son Jesus, great and glorious name who every knee one day will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and confess his name as Lord. Amen. In the passage that we are looking at this morning, we see a truly incredible battle unfold before our eyes. Last week, we, we looked at the genealogy. We saw how, how what Luke is doing here, because he's writing to Theophilus, giving an orderly account, what he does is he gives Jesus' credentials. He, he, he gives and lays out Jesus' birth certificate. He shows that Jesus is, in fact, the promised Messiah. He is the true, only begotten Son of God. And so, almost as if Luke is anticipating the next question... You've given me the gene genealogy. Well, well, show me some action. How can I know that this is the Son of God? Well, Luke, right after the genealogy, gives us the action. Every day, in every way, Jesus was tempted to sin for 40 days. And so what Luke does in here, though, is he takes our attention to three specific sins or temptations. And so we come to this passage starting in verse 1. And it says this. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command the stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. 
And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall not work or you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. To guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. As a, a social experiment, a, a group of adults took some children in, into another room. They sat them at a table. The adult sat across from, him, from them, slid a plate across the table with one Oreo in front of them. The adult looked the child in the face and said, if you wait until I come back. I've just got to make a quick errand. If you wait until I come back, I will give you a second Oreo, but you can't have this first Oreo. You've got to wait until I come back. So not only will you have then one Oreo, but you'll have two Oreos. Just wait to eat this Oreo that's in front of you until I come back. And so they did this on multiple children. The person would get up and leave and a minute would go past and you saw one or two children stick the Oreo in their mouth right away, just not even caring about the second Oreo. You then five minutes later see a few more children do the same thing, and 15 minutes later, the person comes back. What happened to your Oreo? A few of the children would innocently say, I don't know. Some boldly would just say, I, I, I was hungry and, and I ate it. Can I still have the, the second one? Unlike these kids being in a controlled environment, Satan does not care. When he tempts you, where he tempts you, and how he tempts you. Satan wants to tempt you in the most inconvenient ways during the most inconvenient times. He'll tempt you on your worst days and he will tempt you on your best. I'm sure... That even this morning, as some of you are here, 
already been tempted. In fact, I'm sure all of us have already been tempted. But what Luke is showing us this morning is that since Jesus resisted every temptation, we can have hope when we are being tempted. We come to verses 1 and 2 and they say, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. Luke is painting this picture of a very unfair advantage that's going on here. See, Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit was sent to the wilderness. And where the Holy Spirit had led Jesus is one of the worst spots of the wilderness. See, most commentators say that this was a spot that no man would go out of his way to travel. In fact, it was a a spot and so barren and dry that rarely would you even see animals in this part. This was a wasteland that the Spirit had led Jesus to. Two. This is prime real estate for Satan to tempt Jesus. It's almost the, not, not almost, it's actually the complete opposite of what we see Adam and Eve go through. If you're a Stranger Things fan, then you could say that Jesus is in the upside down. Where Adam and Eve were in the garden, a lush, green, and perfect garden, walking with God, never seeing temptation or sin or evil, Jesus was led into the wilderness, a dry and barren wasteland. Seeing sin and temptation in his life up until this point, everywhere. We then see that not only does it stop with Jesus being in the wilderness, is that Luke tells us that in every way, For every day, for 40 days, Jesus was tempted. So that means in the the blistering hot sun, Jesus was tempted. In the frigid and freezing nights, Jesus was tempted. In what way? Every way. For 40 days in every way, Jesus was tempted to covet against God. Jesus was tempted to blaspheme his father. Jesus was tempted to lie. Jesus was tempted with sexual desire. He was tempted to take the Lord's name in in vain and and slander. And, 
Jesus was tempted in every way. Think about the biggest temptation in your life. Jesus was tempted with that. And think of what we may think of the smallest temptations in our life. Jesus was tempted with that. And almost as if it's not enough that Jesus was in the wilderness and that he was tempted every day for 40 days in every single way, we see that Jesus was actually tempted on an empty stomach. For 40 days, he had no food. And so almost as if this isn't fair already, we see just how much, just how, how unfair this is. We see that Jesus had no food for 40 days and was hungry. Why does Luke say that Jesus was hungry at the end of the 40 days? The obvious answer might be, well, because he didn't eat food for 40 days. But there is something incredible that Luke is doing here. What Luke is telling us and reminding us of is of Jesus' humanity. See, one of the thoughts when people come to this passage is, well, the reason why Jesus resisted temptation is because he's He's God. But what Paul tells us in in Philippians 2 is that Jesus came down in the form of a man and didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped. And I don't know about you, but if the Apostle Paul is saying, this is something that just can't be grasped, then I don't know if I can necessarily go into any further. But I I know that that Jesus is 100% man. And 100% God. Here's, here's the theological word for today. The, this, that's called the hypostatic union. Jesus is truly God and truly man. He's not 50% man and 50% God, but 100% God and 100% man. He is truly perfect in both forms. And it's mind-blowing and amazing. And so we see that Jesus was only exercising the power that the Holy Spirit had given him. Why? Because Jesus is truly man. And this should be an encouragement to us while we are in the midst of our temptation. See, this is a very, very unfair situation, it seems like, for Jesus. It seems... Seems like it. When I was uh, playing college basketball, I had the privilege of going to Alaska to play. And we played against a team called uh, the University of Anchorage. And it, it's, it, it was an experience that I will never forget. Not in the good way. See, we, we played against this team... 
And we ended up losing. We lost 140 to, to like 70. Now, if you know college basketball, you know that a college team scoring over 100 points is, is, is pretty good. But not only did that happen, this team put up, I, I kid you not, about five or six different school records that had been held for like 50 years. They destroyed us. And you know what? It wouldn't matter if we played this team at our home court. It wouldn't matter if we we played them at a neutral court. It wouldn't matter if we, we went and played out there at that basketball hoop. They would still have destroyed us no matter what. And so it is when, with Satan when he comes to tempt us. He doesn't care who you are. He does not care where you are. He wants to tempt you to sin against God. If we look to Jesus, we can see how Satan is tempting Jesus during this inconvenient time. Jesus is in the wilderness being tempted in every way on an empty stomach. Jesus wasn't allowed to to say time out or or pause. Let Let me just get some rest here. Let me get some shut eye. Satan wants Jesus to sin against God. He wants him to sin against his father. Satan just doesn't care. And, and you know, it's almost, it's, it's like he's not only the king of deception, he's the king of deceiving himself too like he's he's a he's a deceived deceiver because he's tempting god <laughs> and so we come to the three temptations that luke tells us about we come to verses 3 and 4 which say this the the devil said to him if you are the son of god command the stone to become bread And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. What we we see Satan first do is he's he's accusing Jesus. He's accusing and trying to cause Jesus to question who he is. Why? Because the devil is an accuser. So he starts off with, if you are the Son of God. Satan knows very well that Jesus is the Son of God. Why? Because even the demons know and they shudder. And so we see the devil starting off with trying to accuse Jesus of who he is. Do you ever feel accused? Or question if you are a child of God? So what happens is 
is Satan says, uh, Jesus, you must be so tired. You must be so tired and so hungry. Turn this rock into bread. And so what it could look like is that Satan is tempting Jesus to gluttony. But it's a little bit more than that. What the devil is trying to get Jesus to do is to doubt God's provision for him. The devil is trying to get Jesus to doubt that God loves him and would provide everything that he needs for him. And so what does Jesus do when he is tempted to doubt God's provision? He quotes the word of God. Jesus says, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. As Satan is whispering doubts of God's love for him, doubts that God is his father is providing for him, Jesus is meditating on the word of God, knowing and saying, God's provided everything for me. The Father has given me everything I need. Life is more than, than food and earthly things. And, and since I am my Father's son, he, he's looking out for me. He is providing for me. I have everything that I need. In, in one of my, my favorite childhood movies, it, it would come around my birthday. So it, it would come, come out around this, this time is uh, uh, Harry Potter. And in the first Harry Potter movie, you get introduced to Harry's cousin Dudley. The, the name fits the character. And the first scene is, is one of his cousin Dudley's birthday. And, and in walks Harry and he sees Dudley counting all of his presents. And, and you can hear it in the background. And, and then you hear Dudley shout out, 27? 27? I had, you gave me 28 last year. And now I only have, have 27. And, and then you hear his, his mom and dad trying to console him. Well, well some of these presents are, are bigger than the ones last year. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead. When we go to the zoo later, we'll, we'll get you two more. So that way you don't have 28, but you have 29. One more than last year. Every single day, brothers and sisters, this is how we are tempted to act. 27, God, you gave me 28 yesterday. But it may not look like that. It may be so sneaky and deceptive where it's, oh, their car is really nice. I wish I had that car. My house, it seems kind of small. I, I, I kind of wish I, I had that. I need a better TV. Why can't I just have a, a, a better TV? You know, my spouse has been really getting on my nerves lately. Can, can I, why can't I just have a better spouse? Why can't I have 
have that or, or this. And when we give in to this temptation, what this leads to is doubt in God's love for you. Because what you start thinking, we start thinking is, well, obviously my father doesn't love me because he hasn't given me this. And so Satan is trying to get Jesus to doubt his father's provision for him. But what what does Jesus tell us in, in Matthew 6? Matthew 6, 25 through through 27. This is what Jesus, he tells us this. Nope, never mind. Nope, that is. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds. Look at the birds. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father, he feeds them. Are you not more than birds? Are you not more value to them than birds? We are more valuable than birds. So Jesus goes on and says, which of you are being anxious can add a single day to his lifespan? God God has, has provided every single thing that you need this very hour on Sunday, July 14th, 2019, 9.48. This very hour, second and minute, God has provided everything that you could possibly ever need right now. Nothing more and nothing less. He has provided all that you need. And so we we come to the next temptation, verses 5 through 8. And so the devil took him and, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and this glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall not worship the Lord your God, or you you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So the devil takes Jesus to a mountain and flashes all the kingdoms and all of this glory in in the matter of seconds to him. And he says, if you will only worship me, then I will give you all of this. And so what Satan is is tempting Jesus with now is is power. He's saying, look, I I can get you this power with, with a better, a quicker plan. If you just, if you just worship me, then I can get you this, this power in a quicker way. 
Jesus, I, I have a quick plan to, to get you this power and, and this glory. Trust, trust me. And so what do we see Jesus do yet again? He quotes scripture. And Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Jesus is telling him, there's, there's only one God. Do you think I'm a fool? There is, is only one God and I have come to this earth to do my Father's will. And His will only. I've come to submit to my Father. It's like when a father is, is taking his kids on a, on a trip. He tells them, this is where we're going. This is how we're going to get there. And these are the steps that need to happen in order for us to get to point A to point B. And along comes a, a creepy stranger. When the father is away, busy, kneels down and says, I, I was overhearing all the things you have to do. Boy, that seems like a lot of work. You know, if, if you listen to me, then I can get you to this place a little bit quicker. But you just have to tell your dad that, that, that I've got it under control and, and, and that you should actually just listen to me. And so it is with us. We, we are tempted We are tempted to have more power than, than has been given to us. We are tempted to think, well, well no, you should have this power. You, you, you should have this authority. Who is God to tell you what you can and can't do? You should really have more authority than you actually do. And so what, what we do is, is then we, we go out and we gossip about people. We, we slander their names. We, we, we try to get one up in this world so that way we can have power over the other person. Because I don't want to be under their authority. I'm my own person. And so Satan is tempting Jesus with power. But Jesus tells us something else in Matthew 28, 18. Jesus, Jesus is giving the great commission to the disciples. And he says, and, and Jesus came and said to them, all, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So, so the devil is literally tempting Jesus with something that Jesus already has. Do you know that Jesus has all things under control? Jesus isn't, he's not, he's not sitting on the edge of his throne right now, sweating because this or that just happened. Jesus is actually sitting on his throne and he is, he's doing just fine. 
Because all authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. The next temptation is in verses 9 through, through 13. And so he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they shall bear you up, lest you strike your foot against stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Now this final temptation is is so interesting. Because once again, once again, the devil is calling out Jesus' identity, if you are the Son of God. But not only that, what we see now is that the devil himself quotes Scripture. <laughs> so Satan is saying, while using and manipulating scripture. If, if Jesus, if you're really the son of God, go ahead and throw yourself off. The, this passage right here says that if you really are the Messiah, then, then, then God will send angels down to protect you so that way you don't even bruise your heel. So that way your foot doesn't even hit one of the stones that's underneath here. Obviously, Jesus, if, if, if your father really loves you and, and you throw yourself down, then, then he's going to come and, and swoop you up and protect you. And so you deserve that protection. And so the devil is trying to get Jesus to presume the father's motives. But what do we see Jesus yet again do? At this point, it might be maybe just a, an easy hint Jesus quotes scripture again. Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. What Jesus is, is saying back is, I, I, don't, I don't need to test my father. Because he has provided everything I need and because he is the one and true God, why do I need to test my father? Why do I need to presume his motives? Since he's my father, he, he, he's going to protect me. I don't need to presume that. I don't have to test him. I, I already know. When Sharice and I were in, in Louisville and I was going to school there, one of the, the school projects that I had to do was, was going to a, a different worship service, a, a worship service of a different um, belief. And so what we did was, um, it was near Easter weekend, I think. I don't think it was Easter weekend. So what, what we decided to do is, is go to one of the, the local Catholic churches. And so we, we went there, and as we're sitting through the service, I had to take notes and kind of go through, this is what the order of service looked like, this is what they did during this time, this is what the message was preached on. And 
And I don't know if I've ever been this angry before in my life during a message. I, I just, I was so upset that um, it was one of those times that I think I could have made myself pass out because I was so incredibly angry at what this priest was preaching. He, he was actually preaching on this passage. He, he, he was preaching on, on um, Luke 9, or Luke chapter 4, verses 9 through 13. This, this specific temptation. And what got me so incredibly angry was that at the end of going through all of this, all of these verses, do you know what his application to this was? It was, why don't you throw yourself off the mountain and see God rescue you? That was his application. And I'm sitting there freaking out, saying, you are literally saying what Satan himself just said to Jesus. Guys, I, I, I don't know why this is funny. Seriously, this is, this is tragic. This is being taught to people with souls. Being told, throw yourself off and watch Jesus come and rescue you. But lest I, 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 I have the, the log in my eye and I try to point out the, the speck in the other person's eyes, I fall into this as well. And so do you. If I just pray enough for this thing, then obviously it's going to happen. Because God obviously deserves to give me. I deserve that from God. If I just manipulate this verse a little bit, then I can convince somebody to this argument. If I just do the right things, all I need to do is do the right things, be a morally good person, and that's enough. And obviously then God should bless my life and give me a good life. Do you know what they call that? They call this the prosperity gospel. They call this the word faith movement. That if, if I don't get this, then obviously God isn't listening to me. Obviously he doesn't love me. And obviously I don't have enough faith. And what this does is this throws the person into serious depression. And then it causes us to, to doubt I must not even be a child of God if he's not listening to me. And, and all that's happening is that Satan is tempting us to presume God's motives. But what does Paul tell us in Philippians 1, verse 21? To live is Christ, to die is gain. Do you know that you already have a divine protection? That because of what Jesus has done for you on the cross, we too can proclaim like Paul to live as Christ to die as gain? This is the, the, the free gift that Jesus being the sinless son of God took our sins being the perfect sacrifice, dying our death and facing our wrath so that if we confess him as Lord and Savior and turn from our sins and, and trust in him that we too can partake in this beautiful everlasting life worshiping God. That's a free gift. We were on a one-way track to hell. 
And what Jesus does is he lives and dies the way that we should have. And so I'd like to to give just two exhortations and then I'm going to pray for us. How do we then battle against temptation? How do we battle against temptation here? What, What does this passage present to us for battling temptation? And, and I want to shut down, actually, probably what you're, you're, you, you may be thinking. Because the way most people will teach this passage is if I just memorize Scripture, then I'll be able to fight temptation. And, and I just want to, I want to boldly and very sharply say, that's not it. If, if you come to God's word and you say, if I just memorize enough scripture, then I'll be able to get rid of this temptation, then you're doing nothing different than when somebody in Alcoholics Anonymous gets told, here's the 12-step program, follow this. That's, that's no different. It's no different than when you pick up then a self-help book and you say, if you, just, if you just positive think, if you just have a positive mentality, you'll overcome whatever you need to overcome. The reason why I know that, that if we just look and try to memorize Scripture first to fight temptation is wrong is because Adam and Eve were in a perfect state and when they were tempted, they still sinned. And what this passage teaches us is that because we are sinners, we can't live up like Jesus lived up. And that is the greatest news because Jesus lived and died for us. We are not Jesus. We are not perfect. Jesus is perfect. Jesus faced every temptation. And he resisted every temptation where Adam and Eve were tempted and sinned, causing separation from God. Jesus was tempted and resisted all of it, causing redemption and reconciliation. And so, what is the primary way to fight temptation? It's to look at Jesus. It's to look at Jesus. What is Hebrews 4? Hebrews 4, if you want to turn with me there, Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says this. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us, with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to and help in time of need. Jesus was tempted in every single way so that we could draw near to him. And so when we are tempted, what are you looking to? Are you looking to Jesus? Or are you just looking at a vague 
piece of scripture to try to apply that. This is maybe one of the, the most, the, the biggest blessing that God has ever, ever revealed to me. Is, is this was me as a kid, right? The, the, the kid who said, I can do all things through Christ. And then I would try to go and dunk a basketball and then I couldn't. And then later, as, as I started taking my, my sin more, more serious, which we need to take our sin serious, I started, I started memorizing Romans 6. And what shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin so that grace may abound? By no means. How shall we who died to sin continue to live in sin? And yet what would happen is I would still fall to temptation. Sure, it may have worked a couple of times. But something then switched. Instead of going straight to quoting scripture, what I would do during temptation is say, Jesus, I don't know why I want this more right now. I don't know why I want this sin more than you. I want this sin, but I know that that won't satisfy me. You have given me everlasting water. Please help me believe that what you have written in your word is true, that you are better than any sin. But, but, how is it that we look to Jesus? It's through the word of God. And so we must memorize scripture. We must meditate on scripture. We must read it and reread it. But we must not just say, I'll take this one verse and apply it to this area of my life. The word of God is, is not something to be abused like that. Meditating on God's word shouldn't lead us to fight against temptation. What the word of God is for is to lead us to treasure Jesus more every day. And when we treasure Jesus more, we take our sin more serious. And it is only through the word of God that we treasure Jesus more. And so we must meditate and memorize. It is through the word of God that we come to delight in Jesus. If you want to see, if you want to see yourself fight against temptation and overcome sin, which we are, right? Romans 8, 13. Put by the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the flesh. Then what we must first do is treasure Jesus above everything. Brothers and sisters, you want to see a revival here in our neighborhood? It starts individually in our own hearts. Treasuring Jesus above everything else. Because then it doesn't matter if you look like a fool. It doesn't matter all of those things that maybe you're tempted to believe. You don't know enough. You're not quick enough with words or, or you're uh, an introvert or, or whatever it is. This is why Paul was able to say, I count everything as a loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus because Jesus was his treasure. 
And so let us fight the good fight. Let us fight against temptation and resist temptation, but let us do it while we look at Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that your mercies are new every single morning. Father, I, I, let us treasure your son Jesus more. God, the, the only way that we can possibly resist the devil is by treasuring your son Jesus. And we know that by looking at Jesus that we will see him bearing our sins, taking them to the cross and dying for us, but yet not dying, rising three days later. Oh, we believe, Father, help our unbelief here. Forgive us of our sins. God, please let us just treasure you more. Let us worship you more because you are worthy to be worshiped. Amen.